Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My sling feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And a pleasant good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Tuesday, May the 17th of 2022. Broadcasting live from our studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana. And broadcasting live on 960 AM WSBT. The live stream is rolling at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Right now, we have a current temperature of 67 degrees in downtown South Bend. Expected low temperature tonight, 50 degrees under cloudy skies. Tomorrow, cloudy with a 60% chance of rain, a high of 70 degrees. Well, thank you so much for spending a portion of your Tuesday with me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed. Darren Pritchett with you. And coming up on the program this evening... Notre Dame, Ohio State, no surprise what time that game's going to start to kick off the college football season in Columbus. Details in just a couple of moments. Also on the way, our Twitter question of the day. It is Notre Dame football related and was just posted a few moments ago on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Coming up at around 540, we're going to take a look at the Indianapolis cold schedule that came out on Thursday What stands out immediately about this schedule that Frank Reich's team will go through in 2022? Five things stood out to me. I'll pass those along coming up in about 30 minutes here on WSBT Radio. Uh, My five question of the day coming up at 5.53. My five teams that currently make up the top five spots in my America League power rankings. We'll take a look at the junior circuit in just a little bit despite a record that is not what we thought they would have at this point in the season are the White Sox on that list, so we'll get to that coming up before the top of the hour. In the 6 o'clock hour, Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He'll join the program to talk Notre Dame football recruiting. The Irish, since last Friday, have picked up an offensive lineman in the class of 2023 and a defensive lineman For the class of 2024, we'll talk to Mike about those two players. We'll get a five-star quarterback, Dante Moore, recruiting update. Is anything happening with the guy that the Irish are pursuing to be their quarterback of the future? We'll talk all things Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated in one hour 
here on WSBT Radio. Also, we have our sports wagering segment to get to later on in the program here on 960 AM WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And we get the program starting with our sports beat first pitch. And today we're focusing on the Notre Dame football schedule. The season opener. Yeah, it's been highlighted by a lot of folks across the country, including Notre Dame and Ohio State fans. Two of the premier programs in college football all time and recently going toe-to-toe in a major non-conference showdown. And let's just don't hide the fact that the game could have major playoff implications. The team that wins this game gets a massive victory on their playoff resume. The loser... Well, their margin for error is gone. Two lost teams don't make the college football playoffs, or they haven't since we started in 2014. So this, despite the fact being the opening game, wow, a lot on the line for these two football teams. And, oh, yeah, first regular season game for head coach Marcus Freeman. Whoever starts at quarterback for the Irish, Tyler Buckner, it's going to be his first career start against the the Ohio State Buckeyes, who their defense not very good last year, but their offense off the chart good. Number one in the country, led by the guy who could be the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, C.J. Stroud, who lit up the Rose Bowl in Pasadena with some massive second-half numbers, rallying the Buckeyes past the Utah Utes to win the granddaddy of them all back on January the 1st. So Notre Dame and Ohio State will kick off in prime time, 7.30 on September the 3rd. Also not a surprise, College Game Day will be in attendance. The longtime ESPN Road pregame show, they'll be set up outside of Ohio Stadium, a place they've been to many, many, many times through the years. The College Game Day crew will be there to start your morning. And we've got a full day's worth of coverage for you here on WSBT Radio. Leading up to that 7.30 kickoff at the Big House, 100,000 fans will be watching Ohio State and Notre Dame. Millions more will be watching on television, listening on the radio. It is a dream opening game. There's a lot of good games, the opening week of the season there's week zero but then week one has some really outstanding matchups including Notre Dame at Ohio State again announced today 7:30 kickoff with ESPN college game day live from Columbus Ohio so as of right now Notre Dame has four prime time games all four will kick off at 7:30. Besides the September 3rd matchup against Ohio State, a very interesting under-the-radar matchup with the Brigham Young University Cougars on October the 8th at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, playing at the Death Star, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. That game will kick off at 7.30 on October the 8th. The following week, another primetime game for the Irish, this time... At Notre Dame Stadium against a scuffling Stanford Cardinal team. 
7.30 kickoff on October the 15th. November 5th, Dabo Sweeney and crew back to Notre Dame Stadium where they were upset a couple of years ago by the Irish in that wonderful overtime game. November 5th, 7.30 kickoff, Clemson at Notre Dame. The Southern California game, final game of the regular season at the Coliseum, November 26th, you would have to imagine that's going to be a primetime game. It normally is, so that would bring your total to five. Navy will not be. Syracuse shouldn't be. North Carolina, maybe. So I would say five at the most six games in prime time for the Irish. Right now the number's four. I think it probably gets up to five with USC. Really don't know about North Carolina, how good they're going to be, considering Sam Howell, their quarterback the last few years, now moving on to the National Football League. So there you go. The Irish and Ohio State. Are you ready for it now? 7.30 kickoff, September 3rd on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So that's a look at our first pitch for today. It is the Notre Dame-Ohio State game kicking off at 7.30, and that is perfect. Plenty of time for you the day of the game to get revved up. However you get revved up for a big Notre Dame football game, that's going to be a lot of fun and the horseshoe will be rocking on September the 3rd, but maybe the Irish can quiet the natives in Columbus early on in that football game. Well, one way to quiet the natives is controlling the line of scrimmage, and that's something Notre Dame wants to do a better job of from start to finish this year. Last year, the month of September, the Irish could not run the football effectively. Short yardage throughout a game, it was an issue. The offensive line wasn't very good. That's been fixed with a real offensive line coach this year in Harry Heastan. Finally, when the Irish went to Joe Alt, the freshman at left tackle, Andrew Kristoffic took over at left guard. Things started to get better, plus the Irish went to more of an up-tempo offense. That did not hurt the cause. But the Irish got that running game going. Remember in September, they were averaging 90 yards per game. Kyron Williams was not looking like Kyron Williams because the Notre Dame offensive line high standard had dropped. Kyron Williams had the chance to be an All-American last year, but that month hurt those chances for that individual honor. But things started to turn around when Allen Kristoffic went into the starting lineup. Now remember Blake Fisher, the true freshman was going to be the starting left tackle all season. Got injured in the first half of that first game against Florida State. Then things went off the rail a tad bit at the left tackle position. Well, not actually a little bit, a whole lot. Until Alt settled things down, and man, did he look good early and now is blossoming. And now all of a sudden, you look at the tackle positions for the next two years for the Fighting Irish. How comfortable are you with Joe Alt and Blake Fisher? I'm very comfortable. That is a really good duo for Harry Heastan to put on the field. Things are looking very promising along the offensive line. I can't imagine anything like we saw last September happening anytime soon with Professor Harry in town. Plus, with a offensive line back this year with tons of experience led by, I think, a great anchor. At the center position, Jared Patterson, a guy that could be a first to a second-round pick next year. I saw one draft evaluator 
threw around the name Zach Martin when he saw Jared Patterson on tape. Wow. I mean, we're talking about Zach Martin, the guy who played for the Irish, has had a wonderful career with the Dallas Cowboys. In a few years, he's probably going to be putting on a gold jacket as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. That's how good Zach Martin is. And for Patterson's name to come up in the same sentence as Martin, folks, that is quite a reputation for Patterson to live up to. But he can do it. That is one heck of a football player. In the NFL, he'll be able to play guard and center, and I'm sure he's going to play at an extremely high level. But this year, he's in charge of anchoring the Irish offensive line. Getting Patterson back was humongous. Everything falls into place now along the offensive line. You build around that center position. Maybe Josh Lug moves from right tackle to right guard. Rocco Spindler, I'm sure, will have a say in that guard spot. Let's see if Andrew Kristoffic can hold on to his spot. But the tackles... And the center, I think we all know what's going to happen September 3rd at Ohio State. It's going to be Alt, Patterson, and Fisher in the starting lineup. Hopefully they are injury-free going into that first game. And that sets the stage for Tommy Reese to be able to call running plays with confidence. And let's hope the Fighting Irish can pick up those tough yards when it is third down and two, third down and one, fourth and one when everybody in the universe knows you're going to run the football. Can you still run it? It's hard to do, but the great teams pick up those tough yards, even when the opposition knows what's coming. Sometimes you got to whoop the guy in front of you, and you've got to absolutely overwhelm them to get the job done. And you look at the experience along this offensive line, you hope that will happen because for that offensive line and that running game that was only – averaging 90 yards per game in the first month of the season, things got a whole lot better. And even though 83rd in the country doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're at 90 through four or five games, you got a lot of ground to make up. And the Irish ended up at 143 yards per game, so they upped that average by 50 over the last half of the season. That's moving some people up front. And with the right people along the offensive line, things got a whole lot better. So if you end at 143.8 last year, you would have to imagine, right, with who you have back, and even though Kyron Williams is in the NFL, you've got a stable of high-end running backs to choose from. And Tommy Reese also has the luxury of what we believe is a guy at quarterback in Tyler Buckner that is going to be able to be a dual-threat quarterback at the Division I level. We know what he can do running the football. We saw it when he was given the opportunity to run it last year physical, smart, and has some speed that might surprise the opposition. This guy can tuck the football under and do some damage. I like a few less hits. I like for him maybe to go down a little bit quicker, but he just loves to play football. He loves the contact, but no one likes to see their quarterback hit. So with all those things thrown into the hat, you would have to think 143.8, you put that in the rearview mirror. Can you get up to 180, 190 where they have been in recent years? I think that is absolutely possible. When the Irish made the playoffs in 2020, they were 25th in the country in rushing offense. They were at 211 yards per game. 2018, not as good as that, but doable. They were 42nd of the country at 182.9 yards per game. Like I said, Kyron Williams is gone, 
and he did everything for this football team. He ran when you needed those tough yards. He was elusive enough to get to the outside. That memorable cutback run against the North Carolina Tar Heels at Notre Dame Stadium, taking it to the house from 90-plus yards. He was a fantastic protector of the quarterback. And as we know, can catch the football. You could set him up to the outside and do damage against the defense. The guy was a great college football player. Let's hope he does well in the NFL with the Rams. But the running back room still has plenty of talent. You got Chris Tyree, who we did not get to see much at full strength last year due to the turf toe. You would have to think he's the guy that gets the football first at the start of the year, especially when you have Logan Diggs down with a shoulder that was injured in the blue goal game, needed surgery, his status for September. I think it is fair to say, and I'm not speaking for Notre Dame, but up in the air at this particular time. So let's just say for the sake of argument, Ohio State game, Diggs isn't a factor. You got Tyree that you can count on. You got Audric Estime with seven carries under his belt, six in a mop-up roll against Georgia Tech late last year, and then one carry against Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. Not a lot of touches, not a lot of game experience at running back. But having watched him in practice, exciting, intriguing player. Physical, as you would expect, a guy that size. But what will surprise you is he's a whole lot faster than you would expect for a guy that size. I think it's like when we watched Jerome Bettis. A guy that big, he can't be that quick. No, Jerome wasn't Barry Sanders. Let's don't go nuts here. But he could get that body rolling pretty good downhill. Estime, intriguing guy. Jadarian Price had the eight catches in the blue goal game. The true freshman, the early enrollee, exciting player, four-star running back coming out of high school. Do you trust him at the horseshoe? Prime time, game number one. Coaches will have to make that decision. And let's don't forget about Jabran Payne, who the Irish picked up when he got out of his national letter of intent from Indiana University and decided to join his running back coach at IU here in South Bend, Coach McCullough. That's another four-star talent. So even if Diggs is out of the equation, you got Tyree, an experienced guy in big games, to hand the football off to. Estimate, I think they have full confidence in him. We'll see if the true freshman price is a factor and and pain as well. Is there any way they can work their way into the rotation? But you would have to think it's a Tyree estimate game right now if Diggs is out, and we'll see how deep they'll go down the running back depth chart and a huge game to start the year. What's interesting is I think we all agree that When you can run the football and when you can stop the run, you have a chance to be excellent. When you control the line of scrimmage on both sides, you can be a dominant football team. But passing the football is becoming so vital today. You look at the last few national champions, Georgia could throw it around okay, but they didn't have the prolific offense that – Some Clemson, Alabama, and LSU teams have had the last few years winning a national championship. They had a great defense that gave them really good field position, and by golly, they took advantage. But their offense came up big in the second half against Alabama in the title game, helping them to win that first championship since, what, 1980. 
So with the emphasis on throwing the football, it is interesting how running the football almost sometimes goes to the back burner. And look at the four playoff teams from last year. Only one team out of the four that made the playoffs were in the top 35 in the country in rushing yards per game. That was Michigan, who got rolled by Georgia in the national semifinal. Jim Harbaugh's team, they had a really physical offensive line opening big holes for their running backs, and Michigan averaged 214 yards per game, 15th in the country. But they're the only team out of the playoff squads that were in the top 36. 37th, the national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, at 191 yards per game. That's just nine more yards than the 2018 Irish squad that made the playoff and 20 yards less than the 2020 team that made the playoff. Defense, opportunistic offense, got Georgia a national championship. So a really good running game and not a dominant running game. Cincinnati, who beat the Irish at the stadium on their way to an undefeated regular season pushing their way into the college football playoff before getting beat by Alabama. Cincinnati, just 56th in the country in running the football, playing in a weaker conference, 172.9 yards per game. And Alabama, who made it all the way to the national championship game, this was not one of Alabama's premier offensive teams. Now, their quarterback, can sling it with anybody. Their wide receivers were like a track team. They were world-class athletes and ball catchers. But the running game, not what you would expect from Roll Tide. Bama was just 77th in the country running the football. Isn't that shocking? 150 yards per game for Nick Saban's team, but he has changed his philosophy. He changed his offense He was winning championships by running the heck out of the football, playing great defense, and made a switch, and is still winning championships. Didn't miss a beat. He's got a quarterback in Bryce Young that can throw it all over the field. Heisman hopeful, probably a top-five pick in next year's NFL draft. Things have changed. When Alabama's throwing it at a high rate and leaving the running game behind, that kind of tells you how offensive football is has truly flipped, and it's just like the NFL. It is all about being able to throw that football, getting pressure on the quarterback from a defensive standpoint. And just looking ahead to 2003, excuse me, 2022, some of the defenses the Irish will face this year. Now, these are the numbers from last year. So this was what the teams did in 2021. The Irish will take on Ohio State in that first game, as we found out today, 7.30 kickoff on September the 3rd. Ohio State was actually not bad against the run, 25th at 127.8, struggled in pass defense. North Carolina, 97th in run defense, 180 yards per game allowed. BYU, just 72nd against the run, 156.9. The Irish will play Clemson at Notre Dame Stadium. The Tigers, elite run defense, 7th at 97.5. The USC Trojans, new head coach, new coaching stamp at last year, 88th against the run, 168 yards per game. So you take a look at five of 
the more difficult opponents on the Irish schedule. Three of the five were in the bottom half of the country in run defense. The exceptions, Clemson at 7, Ohio State at 25. By the way, Notre Dame defense against the run last year, highly respectable, 37th in the country, giving up 136.2. And anytime you think about Notre Dame football and run defense, you always have to put an asterisk by it. They always face the United States Naval Academy, normally a top five running offense each and every year. They didn't have a great offense last year. That was a down team because they didn't have that great decision-making quarterback. But normally, Navy hurts the Irish in the national statistics and run defense just because they are able to run it so successfully. And basically, that's all they do except for maybe three or four times they try to fling it down the field and catch you sleeping. So it's interesting. We've always, I guess, grown up as football fans, heard you got to run the football. Well, it's nice to run the football. It's nice to control the line of scrimmage. But as you can see, throwing the football and doing that effectively wins you a lot of football games and put you in position to win a netty. And that's what it's all about here in South Bend. 28 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Coming up next, our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day on your home of the Fighting Irish. Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 23 minutes in front of 6 o'clock, 67 degrees in downtown South Bend. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues with our Twitter question of the day. You can find our Twitter question of the day every day on my Twitter account. It has changed over the last couple of days to at 960 Sportsbeat. So if you don't follow me, Please do, and then you can take part in our Twitter questions of the day. Again, at 960-SPORTSBEAT. We kicked off our Budweiser's Weekday SportsBeat Twitter question of the day yesterday, and it was, which Notre Dame quarterback storyline are you most nervous about? Choice number one, Tyler Buckner as a first-year starting quarterback. Assuming he becomes the starter. That's our best guess, I think, as media members and fans. Choice number two, getting a verbal commitment from 2023 five-star quarterback Dante Moore. Boy, there's a lot of different ways to look at this question. Here's what you, the listeners, decided. 42.9% said they're more nervous about Buckner being a first-year starting quarterback. Winning the vote with 57.1%, getting a verbal commitment from the quarterback stud in the class of 2023, Dante Moore. I got a few reactions from my Twitter followers. Eric wrote back, Buckner playing well and progressing is more important than landing more. In my humble opinion. Tweetin' Wise Guy 1 said, Looking back to Virginia Tech last season, Buckner was atrocious in a big game on the road. Cone had to bail them out. 
He's got to be ready to ball week one. I don't know. Hashtag go Irish. That was a tough spot for Buckner, no doubt. In Blacksburg, the Irish struggling. Cone replaced by Buckner. He played a good chunk of that football game and threw a couple of interceptions out of the three that he threw last season in limited opportunities. The Irish went to that hurry-up offense, brought back in Jack Cone, and they rallied to win that game, and that style of offense propelled them the rest of the way, helping them to get to the Fiesta Bowl. Another response from my Twitter followers. Clash More Mike 83 says, Buckner for sure. Dante is not a part of the equation yet, or maybe at all. Now, see, that's a really good way of looking at the question. I thought Moore would possibly look at this question in that fashion. You can't worry about someone you don't have yet. But again, the question is, what are you more nervous about? And getting a commitment from Moore, I understand there's a lot of tension in Irish Nation. They have an unbelievable 2023 class and... Judging by the reaction of a lot of Irish fans, if they don't get more, it's going to almost feel like a disappointing year, which it shouldn't be. But the Irish are doing everything they can to get Dante Moore. Big Freezer wrote in and said, I can't believe people are more worried about a theoretical quarterback than the one who will likely start this fall, a bird in the hand, dot, dot, dot. If I were to answer this question, it's a 50-50 coin toss, just depending on how you look at things. If you think Buckner is going to be a really good throw of the football, you believe in him, then you should vote for Dante Moore. You got to worry about this year because this year continues the momentum of this program. Momentum leads to still great recruiting. You don't want to take a step back. You don't want to go 8-4, and 7-5. and five. I mean, right now, this program, I think it's fair to say top five, top six in the country the last five years. You got to keep it rolling. So I think I would lean toward Buckner, first year as a starter, keep the momentum going, keep the great recruiting rolling. But I totally get the more thing. Brian Kelly just couldn't get that elite stud quarterback. And now Marcus Freeman in his first rodeo is trying to grab that guy. And he's off to a pretty doggone good start. So again, 57.1% getting a commitment from Dante Moore. Buckner first year as a starter, 42.9%. Thanks for voting. That was a fun question to kick off the Twitter question of the day on Sportsbeat yesterday. But we need a Tuesday question. It was posted just as the show was getting started. So from these four choices, what disappointed you the most about former Irish football coach Brian Kelly? Already getting a response from many, all four. We can't play that way. We need specific answers So again, from these four choices, what disappointed you the most about former Irish football coach Brian Kelly? Let me say this first. He took over a program that was not in great shape. 
He turned it around. He made it a winner again. He got it to two playoffs. Couldn't get over the hump for a championship. So I don't want this to sound like we're just going to dump on Brian Kelly because he did do great things here. But I'm just curious, is there anything that you were most disappointed about? And again, I gave you four choices. Number one, his personality and attitude. Number two, his quarterback recruiting or lack there of getting that stud guy. Number three, he was not always known for being all in, 365 days, 24 hours a day on recruiting. He was kind of that finisher. The other guys did the rest of the work. So not all in on recruiting your third choice. And the fourth choice, he didn't win a championship. So again, from these four choices, what disappointed you the most about Brian Kelly, his personality attitude, quarterback recruiting, not all in on recruiting, and didn't win a championship? What stands out to you? I'd love for you to vote. You can go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Vote, and we'll have the results for you tomorrow. And then we'll bring you Wednesdays, Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. The Colts' schedule is out. What stands out? What did I highlight on the schedule? Details next as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues, and we are being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978 and by Tim Ground State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Eleven minutes in front of six o'clock. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Tuesday evening. My name is Darren Pritchett. The Indianapolis Colts just missed out of the postseason last year. Maybe a better way to put it, they blew their chance to make the postseason. All they had to do was beat the worst team in the National Football League, the Jacksonville Jaguars, on the road. But As we found out leading into that game, the Colts had not won down in Jacksonville, believe it or not, since 2014. The game got off to a poor start and got no better for the Colts as they were knocked off by the Jaguars and knocked out of the playoff picture as the Steelers pushed their way into the AFC playoffs as the number seven seed. So the Colts revamping their football team, highlighted by Carson Wentz, one and done in Indy. The quarterback acquired from Philadelphia for a first-round pick is now a Washington commander. And the Colts bring in Matt Ryan, a veteran quarterback who's played in a Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons. The 38-year-old now puts on the helmet with the horseshoe decal, trying to get the Colts back to the postseason and beyond. So what stands out about the 2022 Indianapolis Colts schedule? Well, here are some of the things that I noticed. Let's start with the first two games of the year. Two winnable road games within the division. And I hate to put winnable because we're talking about Houston and Jacksonville. 
but the Colts can't win in Jacksonville. So I can't just say they're opening up with two easy wins on the road. First, it's tough to win on the road in the NFL. Second, Jacksonville has been a pain in the neck. The opening two games, you start at Houston. Lovey, Lovey Smith goes from defensive coordinator to head coach of the Houston Texans. He's got David Mills as his quarterback, who was pretty doggone good as a rookie. And then you got Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, second year. Will things get a lot better? Urban Meyer is in the rearview mirror. For this Jaguars football team, that's got to be an improvement. Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl winning head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, takes over. So, winnable road games. The Colts should be 2-0, but that Jacksonville game, eesh. The second thing that stands out about the Colts' schedule, weeks three through five, the Colts are facing three teams that are challengers for a top seed in the AFC playoffs. Team number one, week three, the Kansas City Chiefs. They've hosted the AFC championship game four straight years, making it to two Super Bowls, winning one, disappointing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals at Arrowhead last year in the AFC title game. So week three, Kansas City at Lucas Oil. Week four at Lucas Oil. The defending AFC South champion, Tennessee Titans. Now, I said challengers for a top seed in the AFC. I don't think Tennessee will be, but I would say they're a challenger. No A.J. Brown, the outstanding young wide receiver. The Titans and A.J. couldn't come together on a new contract, so he's now a Philadelphia Eagle. And the third team in that stretch, the Denver Broncos. That's in the Mile High City. Okay, I'm a Bronco fan, so give me a little love here. It's been a rough last six years since winning Super Bowl 50. With Russell Wilson and that young roster, I'm hoping they're challengers. So, yeah, I'm probably reaching a tad bit, but I need something to think good about my football team. It's been a long time since good vibes watching my team play. What else stands out about the Colts' schedule? Well, Five of the six division games for the Colts are played by week seven. That's really strange. So the Colts will almost be done with their divisional schedule by week seven. The only division game left the last week of the regular season against the Houston Texans. They start with Houston and end with Houston. Another item that stands out about the Colts schedule. Week seven through ten. There are four games in that stretch, including three difficult road games. I would assume all three road games, the Colts would be an underdog, at least sitting here right now. Week seven, they'll take on their rival, the Tennessee Titans down in Smashville. Then home to take on Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. And then back-to-back road games flying all across the country. They fly to the East Coast in Week 9 to take on Billy Belichick and the New England Patriots. Come home to Indianapolis, then fly to Vegas, baby, for a Week 10 game against Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, 
and the guy who was the Colts head coach and then decided not to take the job. Yeah, he's the Raiders head coach now, Josh McDaniels. That is a tough stretch. Three very difficult road games for the Colts week 7 through 10. And finally, the five-game stretch between week 9 and 13. There are no gimmies for the Indianapolis Colts. I've mentioned a couple of the games already. Week 9, Colts at Patriots. Week 10, Colts at the Raiders. Week 11, they come home to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Are they the team to beat in the NFC East? They have a say in the matter with the Dallas Cowboys at this point. Week 12, I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers is not a gimme because you know what? They don't finish under 500. They just haven't. Under Mike Tomlin, they figure out a way to be competitive. Can he pick it? First round pick out of Pitt. Will he be the Steelers quarterback at that point? Will it be good old Mitch? Mitchell Trubisky. We could think a lot differently about the Steelers then compared to now, good or bad. And then we wrap up that five-game stretch between Week 9 and Week 13. The Colts have to go down to Jerry's World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. So at Patriots, at Raiders, home against Eagles, home against Steelers, at Cowboys, not an easy stretch for Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts. It is 5.57, Budweiser's weekday sports feed on WSBT Radio. That wraps up our look at the Colts schedule tomorrow. We'll take a peek at what stands out on the Detroit Lions schedule for 2022. The 6 o'clock hour of sports beat moments away. We'll talk to Mike Singer about Notre Dame football recruiting. Coming up in a few moments on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, hour number two for this Tuesday evening. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com on the WSBT Radio app, brought to you by Budweiser, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, and Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. My name is Darren Pritchett. Ten minutes after 6 o'clock, let's talk Notre Dame football recruiting. Some very interesting news from this afternoon. And we bring on our expert, Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike Singer is going to join me every Tuesday at 6.07 to talk Notre Dame football recruiting. We had a nice morning Interview every Tuesday on Sports Beat AM, and Mike has been kind enough to make the transition to the afternoon with me. So, Mike, good to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on, Darren. You bet. Always appreciate your time. So, how about this? We have two commitments over the last few days, and that's not the lead story or lead question in this particular segment. A few hours ago, Mike, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming this is a bit of a surprise as a young man by the name of Richard Young, a five-star running back in the 23 class, all of a sudden appears to have Notre Dame on his radar. Give us some background on this kind of surprising development involving Richard Young. It's been a crazy past week or so, Darren. When, when you said there, two commitments in the past few days, I'm thinking to myself, 
oh crap, I can only think of one, but you're right, there is two, but that last Friday feels like uh, years yeah. ago at this point. I mean, no, this Notre Dame football staff does not stop. They don't sleep on the recruiting trail. So, yeah, pretty surprising news. I you know, just kind of heard recently that Notre Dame was getting in the mix more with this five-star running back, Richard Young, from southwest Florida. I mean, he's narrowed down his list a couple of times already. I mean, Notre Dame offered him last February, so back in 2021, and he's cut down his list twice since, and Notre Dame didn't make it. So you're thinking, eh, five-star running back from Florida. He's already eliminated Notre Dame. All right, let's move on here. And then uh, and then here he is, um, you know, uh, tweeting out that he locked in an official visit with Notre Dame. Uh, running back's coach, Delane McCullough, went to his high school this past week. Uh, yeah, last week. And look, I mean, during the spring evaluation period when, you know, the Notre Dame coaches are out on the road, they're not allowed to sit down in the home or, you know, have long conversations with the recruits per NCAA rules. But, you know, you make your presence known at a high school, you, you know, you get to know the coaching staff, you roam those halls and, and that's a big deal. And, you know, McCullough and, and Young have started to build a good relationship here in the past couple of weeks and led pretty quickly to Young setting up an official visit. So, these players get five official visits where the schools you know, fly the kids up, host them for 48 hours, you know, all expenses pay trip. And it's, it's a pretty big deal um, that Notre Dame is one of those five. Now, do they ultimately land them? You know, I don't know, but you know, it's uh, you know, it, it's, it's a big deal alone just to get them on campus. I know you don't have an exact percentage. So generally speaking, Mike, how often do you see a player have, a list of 10, 7, 5 schools, whatever the case may be, they narrow it down, then all of a sudden they add a school and go on an official visit to that school. Does that happen very often? Yeah, it's more common than you would think. Okay. Um, yeah, things, you know, recruiting is so fluid. You know, I always try to you know, remind Notre Dame fans that on our loose emoji message board at balloongold.com, like, you know, just to kind of expect the unexpected, you know, the – the only constant is change. Like that's, that's kind of how it goes with recruiting. So, um, but I mean, when you just look at it from afar, you have a five-star running back from Florida with offers from, you know, some of the schools that he's really looking at right now, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Georgia, Florida, Alabama. That player just usually doesn't all of a sudden decide, Hey, I'm taking official visit to Notre Dame out of the blue. That, that just, that speaks volumes to this Notre Dame staff. So in this particular sense, yeah, this, this doesn't often happen too often there, does it, Darren? No. That's why I thought I would ask. I just don't remember that happening very often around these yeah, parts. Not, yeah, like, right. Like not at this five-star Florida yeah. running back level, but it, it happens plenty with, you know, three, four-star guys. Sure. But for Notre Dame with a five-star running back from the Sunshine State, yeah, this, is, this doesn't happen often. Mike, according to On3, of course, the service that Blue and Gold Illustrated is a part of, Notre Dame has the number one recruiting class currently in the class of 2023, and there's already a running back in that class in Cedric Irvin Jr. out of Miami, Florida. Do you think the Irish wanted to get a couple of running backs in this class, or is this a situation where all of a sudden a five-star knocks on your door and Cedric Irvin is a great recruit. I mean, a four-star running back. The Irish really like him. But is this a situation that, hey, we got to talk to this guy. we got to see if we can bring him aboard another great player. Or do they want two running backs in this class? Both. Okay. Both. 
so Notre Dame, this staff is, you know, this ain't your grandpa's Notre Dame, you know, like, um, and I, I just use that as a funny term, but sure. like, this isn't the Notre Dame of the past decade in terms of this staff is super aggressive. Like, I, Notre Dame has that commitment from Cedric Irvin. He had you know, big time offers before he committed to Notre Dame. His father, Cedric Irvin Sr., um, tore it up at Michigan State as a running back. Like, the kid's got, you know, a solid ranking, you know, big time offers, great bloodlines. And then Notre Dame next week. It looks like they're closing in on a commitment from Jade Lamar, another four-star running back, and he's from the state of Washington. So, got okay, you got Irvin committed, could be getting Lamar, and then there's a running back by the name of Jeremiah Love from St. Louis who is a track star and a big-time back, and Notre Dame has hosted him on campus, and we'll get him on an official visit sometime soon, whether it's this summer or maybe into the fall. So you're thinking – Okay, can you take three running backs? Like, what, what, what? Can one of these guys play corner or slot or what's going? And then Richard Young news breaks. So it's like, I mean, how, how many? I mean, what's going on? You just have more questions than answers. But my message to Notre Dame fans right now is, the staff is aggressive. They're going to go after the very best players and figure things out. Like, I'm not worried yet. Like, let these things play out. You know, they they always do um, work itself out. So. It's a it's a great spot for Notre Dame to be when you're uh, when you're recruiting at this level. Um, it's, it's a it's a interesting dilemma that uh, will be interesting to follow. He is Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett, Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. Mike, let's go back to late last week. The Irish picked up a verbal commitment. A second offensive lineman from the state of North Carolina joins the class of 2023, Sullivan Absher. Pretty big guy already out of Belmont, North Carolina, 6'6", 275. What stands out about the latest Harry Heastan recruit? Yeah, we got to update that weight because I was told he's up to 297. Mm. Um, And he's got long arms, too. He's a a tackle recruit all the way. Absher is one of those players, like, so he commits there. And then we're already moving on to talking about, like, Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback, or Richard Young, the five-star running back. It, you know, oh, Sullivan Absher committed you know, four days ago. That's old news, right? I'm already forgetting about it after all. <laughs> but I need Notre Dame fans to remember, this is a huge deal. I talked to Tom Lemming, you know, one of the godfathers of recruiting coverage. He told me that Absher's got not only first-round pick potential, he sees number one overall potential in this kid. Um, you know, he's a special football player. I, I, I think he would have blown up a little bit more if his offense, they didn't play a, a run a veer. So you don't see any of him pass blocking. Cause I think, you know, they barely threw the ball, you know, during his junior season, they ran it. And he's a, you know, he's got all of the measurables, the work ethic, the size, the strength. He's a ball of clay that Harry, he thinks it's the mold and such a high upside on Sullivan Absher. So um, Clemson very much wanted him. So Notre Dame went into their backyard in Charlotte, which I will call their backyard. And absolutely in terms of recruiting, mm-hmm. you know, they do very well in that, in that area. And uh, yeah, Notre Dame went and got him. It's really good get for the Irish and Harry Houston. Mike, out of all due respect to Clemson, who has won national championships, something that Notre Dame is still trying to acquire the first one since 88, but I'll tell you what, Mike, from an offensive line standpoint, 
there's night and day difference between Notre Dame and Clemson. Clemson, I think, is being held back a little bit by offensive line play the last couple of years. Notre Dame has sent all these guys to the NFL. The godfather, Harry Heaston, is now back, coach of the offensive line. To me, there's a lot of advantages for Notre Dame over Clemson right now in offensive line recruiting. To me, it is a no-brainer for Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, every time I interview one of these offensive linemen who committed to Notre Dame, it's, it's, I mean, it's always the same reasons. You know, we, now the factor of Harry Heastings just kind of added in. But even under Jeff Quinn, it's like offensive line tradition and offensive linemen typically are really good students. That's just one of those things. They're no-nonsense kids most of the time, and they're really good students. So picking Notre Dame just makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, Sullivan Absher – you know, he, he, he told me that he wanted to stretch out his decision a little bit more, but when he was on campus for the Blue Gold game, told his mom, I, I mean, why wait? This is where I want to be. So he went ahead and locked in his decision. And, um, again, really good gift for the Fighting Irish. And just to clarify, he's probably, in fact, just write it in ink, he's going to be an offensive tackle here, correct? Right. I love him at right tackle. Okay. Because, you know, with his run blocking – background i think he's a prototypical right tackle um yeah and and so maybe that if he's a right tackle maybe he's not a number one overall no. pick but uh, just to kind of give folks like just the understanding of this young man's upside it, it's enormous i wanted to clarify because even offensive guards don't go number one overall so i right. i wanted to clarify he is going to be probably an offensive tackle here in south bend well mike we've talked about the 2023 class, number one in the country, and there's still no quarterback in that class. We might have a new audience since we've moved from mornings to afternoon. So if you wouldn't mind, I know you get asked a lot about this. Five-star quarterback Dante Moore has visited South Bend several times. He's on official visits right now. Where do you think the Irish stand with the guy that everybody wants the roots for, the Fighting Irish, Dante Moore? I mean – sometimes I'm like, what am I doing wrong as a reporter here? Cause I keep talking to people and I kind of just get the same story. Like where's the, where, where's the other stuff? Like, where is, Oh no, this guy thinks Miami leads. This guy thinks LSU leads. No, it's, I, I just keep hearing Notre Dame. And so I'm just going to, I put in a predict Darren back in fe- mid February at on three um, for him to land at Notre Dame. And uh, here we are, and uh, I still feel pretty good about that. I'm even more confident then, uh, when the, now than when I put it in. So uh, Miami, LSU, and Oregon seem to be the biggest contenders um, for him. And uh, if you're listening to this live, um, you'll want to go to blueandgold.com later tonight and uh, read an article called Lucky Charms. I'm going to have more insight on Richard Young and Dante Moore. Uh, to the, I mean, now I would say, you know, Young is one of the most important targets on the Notre Dame board now because he's just so darn good. And obviously Dante Moore has been the most crucial target for the Irish um, for, for quite some time. So um, we're going to have an article on that at bloomville.com tonight. So um, kind of give a little bit of a sneak peek into where I think Dante Moore's recruitment is going to go. But uh, the hint for, your uh, live radio audience, Darren, and your podcast, and posting this on my podcast as well, the, the, is that I, I really feel good about Notre Dame's chances with them. See, you've got this radio thing down. That was a strong tease right there. <laughs> I can't wait to I see mean, what I, you're going to write tonight now. 
I've got plenty of experience there. I think we've been doing this for a couple of years now. So every week for a couple of years. So, yeah. Mike Singer, Recruiting Insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll tell you how to be become a subscriber of Blue and Gold in just a moment. But we have to talk about another commitment as well, Mike, as the Irish got a verbal commitment from Owen Wafel. W-A-F-L-E. I guessed Waffle. I was wrong. It is Owen Wafel. And he becomes the second member of the class of 2024, so he won't sign for a year and a half. But, Mike, being on Blue and Gold Illustrated, reading your articles, it sure sounds like Notre Dame has picked up kind of that Kurt Heinisch guy, that high-motor interior defensive lineman that's going to cause a lot of trouble for the opposition once he gets to South Bend. Yeah. I, if I were him, I'd go with Waffle and, you know, get some NIL deals with uh, Waffle House. <laughs> but, hey, that's just me, Darren. Um, yeah, so he's a, he's just a sophomore in high school, right? He's just about to graduate – or, excuse me, finish on his sophomore year and go into junior year. Mm. Um so he's got a couple more years before he gets to Notre Dame. Um, and I don't know if you watched his live, the live stream of his announcement. His dad was sitting next to him. Um, and uh, his dad looks about 6'6 six, six or 6'7, six, massive dude. Um, so Owen Wafel sitting at about, you know, 6'2 or 6'3. You know, if he, if, if he grows a couple more inches, I don't know if the Kurt Heinish comparison that I've made, um, I called him a more athletic Kurt Heinish, just to kind of give people an example. Sure of the type of player he is, um, you know, then, you know, if he, if he's a couple inches bigger than, I, I don't know. I mean, the upside for this kid is, is pretty big at that point, but um, I think he's just a solid piece for the, the future of the Notre Dame defensive line, whether he's a nose guard or a three tech or, you know, just kind of moving around. He's really athletic. Um, he's quick off the ball. He's strong and only going to get bigger at this point and again dad looks about six six or six seven so even if we're talking about six four Owen Wafel I mean he could be a disruptive force boy Mike it seems like I know this is a hypothetical statement it feels like they have like 72 defensive line recruits between the 23 and 24 class because they just continue to come and come and come you got four elite guys in the 23 class led by Keon Keeley the edge rusher out of Tampa and you've got now Wafel joining Brandon Davis Swain, one of those guys that will come off the edge probably for this Fighting Irish football team. So between those two classes, I know none of the six have signed as of yet, but if they sign on the dotted line, my heavens, we have been so appreciative of the job Mike Elston did for years here in South Bend, now at Michigan. But now you look at what the Irish are doing right now. I mean, they have picked up where he left off and maybe taken it up a notch. I wish the great loose emoji were here um, to, to see this because, you know, we always talk about defensive line being the white whale that Notre Dame, you know, struggles with. And, you know, now it's, you're looking more on the edges, but I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they have six defensive linemen committed right now between the, the 23 and 24 cycles. You have, you know, four and 23 and, and two so far in 24. And I mean, they, you can argue that of those six, the one, a guy in 2023 that they're still after might be the best and that's Jason Morris and Keon Keeley I think will be a first round pick when it's all said and done but and Jason Moore you know like he's just as good different positions Keon Keeley is um you know he's just a big time weak side defensive end edge rusher Jason Moore more of a strong side end slash d tackle play one of those spots you know move him around 
Uh, but Jason Moore is just special. He's long. Uh, he's so strong. He's got great pass rush moves, run stopper. I mean, he's really the complete package. And I think Notre Dame's going to end up landing Jason Moore. So, wow. And then look at Ed, the 2024 class. There's a young man uh, by the name of Elijah Rushing from um, Tucson, Arizona. He looks like a Keon Keeley clone. Uh, and he's already you know, close to being a five-star prospect per on three. So I think Notre Dame could land him eventually. So it's, it's just looking crazy good for Al Washington, Al Golden, and that staff. It's amazing when you go all in on recruiting, isn't it? It is. It's not too bad. And it's, um, you know, I remember the, the fall of 2019, my first, you know, first fall cover Notre mm. Dame football recruiting. It was slow. You know, Notre Dame had mostly locked up its 2020 class. And I'm like, nothing really going on. I miss those days now. Man. <laughs> I, there's, no, there's no break here. There's no break. Oh, I love it. Hey, Mike, you guys still have, I think, anyway, the greatest deal going still available at blueandgold.com. Folks, if you're an Irish football fan, basketball, baseball, on down the line, Blue and Gold has everything for you, and you still have a great opportunity for people to join the Blue and Gold family. I was telling our staff in the meeting the other day, I mean, I've been in this business for almost a decade now uh, covering you know, football recruiting. I, I haven't seen a, a website like ours in covering everything. I mean, anything going on in Notre Dame sports between football, uh, women's basketball, men's basketball, baseball. I mean, we've even done lacrosse coverage, hockey. Tyler Horka did a phenomenal job covering, obviously, football recruiting, basketball recruiting, and both men's and women's. I mean, everything we cover at BlueMangle.com. Um, so it, it, it's truly amazing. It's a dollar for one year of premium access. So all my recruiting coverage, everything we have going on the message board, I'm on there posting a thousand times a month uh, with <laughs> talking to our subscribers. It, it's it's really an amazing deal. So um, definitely check it out while it's still there. So just head to blueandgold.com, and uh, you'll see the deal right there at the top of the page. And you'll get Lucky Charms tonight from you with some yep. good yep. details on some of the players we talked about tonight. Mike, thanks I, so much. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I've hyped it up a lot, so i got to deliver, so I'll make sure to, <laughs> to make it good. We're going to need a double helping of Lucky Charms tonight after this particular segment. Mike, fantastic job as always on this show and at blueandgold.com. Always greatly appreciate your insight, and wow, I think you have probably got a lot of Irish fans fired up with this interview with all the amazing things that you're reporting on at this particular time, and who knows what we'll be talking about next week. Yep, sounds good, Darren. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Again, he'll have some really good information tonight in his Lucky Charms recruiting article. You'll see it later tonight at blueandgold.com. Wow, recruiting is hot as ever right now here in South Bend. Halfway through the 7 o'clock hour, I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Money, money, money. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. Well, that was a fun Notre Dame football recruiting segment with Mike Singer. A lot of good information including that five-star running back all of a sudden interested in Notre Dame. 
Read more about it at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. 638, Darren Pritchett with you, our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler. We gave you four suggestions on last night's program, and we went 50%. We started off slow. We took the Royals on the money line against the White Sox, but Luis Roberts said, no, sir. Hit a two-run home run in the 10th inning, and the White Sox defeated the Royals 5-3. to three. Our second suggestion last night, Astros on the money line on the road at Fenway against a struggling Red Sox team. The Strohs, despite playing better baseball, was the underdog on the road at plus 110. We took the Astros. They were up 3-2 in the seventh inning. Couldn't close it out. Lost 6-3. Well, we recovered a little bit with our third suggestion. We took the Marlins. Minus one and a half runs at home against the Nationals at plus 110. So a chance to more than double our money. And the Marlins had to win by two in order for this to be a winning wager. No problem. The Marlins won by six behind Sandy Alcantara. Marlins eight, Nationals two. So that more than made up for the opening two losses, winning that plus 110 wager. And the fourth and final suggestion from last night's program, I took the Milwaukee Brewers at home on the money line against the champs, the Atlanta Braves. Felt like Freddie Peralta was going to throw a good game, so I went with the right-hander. I went with the Brewers at minus 140. It was a pitcher's duel, and Peralta won. Brewers won. Braves nothing. So it was a 2-2 two and two. We going to Sizzler yesterday. Now, we started on Sportsbeat AM last week, kind of a new feature. This is more of a wild shot, but we try to pick an underdog every day. It has to be a plus wager in order to qualify for this pick. And, well, we started off with a horrible selection last night. I felt like the Pirates would get to Wade Miley. Uh, They did not, and the Cubs jumped all over the Pirates. I took the Pirates on the money line as my underdog pick at plus 125. That deserves two of those. Cubs won 9-0. That was a great underdog pick, Darren. Great work. So, officially two for two last night. Let's get to today's suggestions. I put one of my suggestions on Twitter this afternoon just so it's out there. Boy, I'm sure glad I did because it was a loser right off the bat. I thought Miles Michaelis would outpitch Trevor Williams for crying out loud. Are you kidding me? Took the Cardinals on the money line over the Mets in New York. Game one of a doubleheader at minus 110. Mets won today 3-1, to one, so a lousy start. The other three suggestions for today, the Guardians minus one and a half runs against the Reds at plus 125, so this is a bit of a stretch pick. Going with the Guardians at home against the struggling Reds, who are 9-26, and 4-17 on the road. I like Zach Plesak. He's going for the Guardians. I can tell you right now, the Reds have the advantage 1-0 going to the bottom of the third in Cleveland. So work to be done by the Guardians. Third suggestion for today, going right back to the Brewers on the money line against the Atlanta Braves. I'll take the Brewers at home again at minus 120. And finally, from the NBA playoffs, we get the Eastern Conference Final underway tonight. Good matchup. The Miami Heat taking on the Boston Celtics. And today when I made my pick, the Heat were minus one and a half against the Celtics. Right now it's gone up to four. 
So we got that number at a good time. Heat minus one and a half against the Celtics in game one of the Eastern Conference Final. And I got the minus one and a half at minus 115. So the four suggestions for today, the first one already a loser. Guardians minus one and a half runs against the Reds at plus 125. Brewers on the money line against the Braves at minus 120. And I'll take the Heat. Got them at minus one and a half points versus the Celtics at minus 115. Al Horford is not going to play for the Celtics tonight due to health and safety protocols. That's probably a major reason why that number has moved from one and a half to four. Our underdog pick for tonight, you know what? This is worth taking a chance on. You've got the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, taking on the best team in the regular season in the NHL, the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers. The game is at Florida. The Lightning are a major underdog at plus 185 against the Panthers. Is Florida the better team? Well, they're younger, they're talented, but they haven't been through this. I'm going to say the Lightning jumped them in game one. And my gosh, it's worth taking a chance at plus 185. You get the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions coming off a great close of their series against Toronto. I'll take my chances. Underdog today. We'll go with the Lightning on the money line against the Panthers at plus 185. Results coming up tomorrow. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And Sportsbeat continues on this Tuesday evening, 649. We've got South Bend Cubs baseball coming up in about a half an hour. 725 pregame, 740 first pitch. The Cubbies, who have the fourth best winning percentage right now in the Midwest League, mainly due to that great stretch they had. The 12-game homestand at Four Winds Field. I think they went 10-2, and two, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they're going to take on the team, I believe, with the third best record in the Midwest League, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. They are the Milwaukee Brewers affiliate up in Appleton. First time it went to that ballpark in 2015, the individual who is in charge of the Cubs' video coordination, his family, Green Bay Packer fans. So we made the 45-minute trip up to Lambeau Field. It was in August, so Packer camp was underway. And they had a practice that day. I think the Cubs and the Timber Rattlers were playing that night. So we got to spend the day up in Green Bay. What a cool little town. You would never know they had an NFL team when you drive into town. But you see that stadium coming from miles away, that big G logo on the back of the scoreboard. And I'll tell you what, if I was not a Denver Bronco fan since I was a kid, sorry, Bears fans, I would be a Packers fan. It is a fascinating little town. They absolutely eat, sleep, and drink Packers football up there. Didn't get to go inside the stadium, but went inside the stadium from the standpoint of the restaurant and walking around, seeing some of the artifacts, and just a a phenomenal place. Would love to have the chance to go to Lambeau at some point, preferably in September and October rather than December or January when it gets a little crisp. But watching Packers practice, that great tradition where the players hop on a kid's bike, the kid carries the helmet of the player to the practice facility, that was an amazing sight, a great tradition. And watching Aaron Rodgers in practice flinging the football around was 
a lot of fun. So great memory going up to Appleton, getting the chance to go to Green Bay, check out the old Packers Lambeau Field and everything surrounding it, the Vince Lombardi statue, very, very cool place. I mean, there's nothing around it. There's a neighborhood. I think there's like a little shopping place down the way. Brett Favre's got his steakhouse there in Green Bay, but it's just a very small-town atmosphere. It's weird to think all the hassle of going to Soldier Field, and then you look at Lambeau, and it's just absolutely, totally different. 6.52 at WSBT, so what should you expect tonight? Let's go through some of the items. Well, first, we'll start with the White Sox, who beat the Kansas City Royals this afternoon 3 to nothing in game one of a doubleheader. Jose Abreu, 2-RBI double. A.J. Pollock, the former Irish outfielder, had a sacrifice fly, scoring Reese McGuire during their three-run fifth inning. Dylan Cease got the win, five and two-thirds innings for the former South Bend Cubs, scattering seven hits and striking out nine. The Sox will go for the doubleheader sweep tonight. First pitch in just a few moments. Davis Martin, a right-hander, makes his major league debut. 25 years old, he takes the mound for the Sox against the Royals. Brady Singer. Cubs and Pirates square off at Wrigley Field tonight. And the Cubbies will send to the mound Keegan Thompson against J.D. Brubaker. First pitch at 740. Again, Brandon Hughes, a former South Bend Cub outfielder, was told before 2019 that he was not going to have an opportunity to stay with the Cubs organization as a hitter. They offered him a chance to pitch, which he had done a little bit at Michigan State, but had a second, second labrum surgery and was just a hitter. Well, he came back to South Bend, was a part of our championship team in 2019, and this year, between AA Tennessee and AAA Iowa, 16-plus scoreless innings, and Hughes is now a big leaguer. What a great story. Was going to be released by the Chicago Cubs unless he wanted to pitch. He decided to pitch, and wow, has his life changed. Good for him. Congratulations to Hughes, who will join the Chicago Cubs tonight and maybe make his major league debut. I mentioned the Cubs and the Timber Rattlers tonight, pregame at 725 on WSBT Radio. The Fighting Irish baseball team continues to clobber the baseball, and it's now a final. The Irish have won a non-conference game in Evanston over the Northwestern Wildcats, 14-4. David Lamana, 3-for-3, three runs scored, a couple of RBI, and a walk. Zach Prosner, 2-for-4, with a run scored, a home run, and four knocked in. Not sure if it was a grand slam or not. See if I can figure that out really quick on the box score. And I'm not going to be able to figure it out as quick as I wanted. But anyway, the Irish improved to 32-11. and 11. They beat Northwestern 14-4. to 4. NBA playoffs, Miami and Boston down in Miami tonight. 8.30 tip, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Stanley Cup playoffs, we finally made it to round two. Lightning and Panthers tonight. 7 o'clock faceoff at 9.30 out west. The favorite to win the Cup, the Colorado Avalanche, will take on the pesky St. Louis Blues. Sports Beat tonight has been brought to you by... 
Our good friends at Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. South Bend Cubs baseball in a couple of moments on WSBT. Hey, Freedom Fred here from Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 